You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1123. Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Continuing today with our camp questions, and today we talk about the running backs. A uh, group we've been waiting to talk about, obviously one that has still a fair number of questions. And here joining me to talk about it is Jamie Seek of Baltimore Sports and Life. Jamie, how are you doing? Fantastic, Ken. How are you? Life is good, my friend. I, I'm, I'm very glad you could join us for this. I think we'll just dive right in, if you will. I'll, I'll give people your Twitter handle, first uh, of all. My Twitter handle is uh, primetime667083, all lowercase. And, of course, that's a nod to the uh, three years the Orioles won the World Series. So I'm not a bot because I know a lot of people say that, uh, you know, a name and then a bunch of numbers is a bot. But it, it's hard to find Twitter handles, so sometimes you have to throw in a bunch of numbers to get one. <laughs> 
I, I, I seem to have a lot of nice young ladies who have names similar to yours. <laughs> I'm using air quotes on right, the ladies right. there. <laughs> Tell me what's going on. Okay, anyway, uh, to the running backs. So uh, obviously the biggest questions with the, with the Ravens right now, two of the biggest questions on the entire team are whether J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards are going to be able to start the season healthy. Yeah, and there's always, well, I guess over the last 20 years, we've really uh, had an opportunity to look at a lot of these post you know year one post the acl repair and how running backs perform in that year after um we have the case of jamal lewis who is near and dear to all of our hearts and uh it took him because if you remember he had a, a decent year in 2002 but he definitely wasn't the same back that he was in 2000 and then of course he blew up in 2003 think about a guy like deuce McAllister. you see these guys generally speaking have about a one yard per carry drop in production what i'm hoping for in the case of jk dobbins and gus edwards well first of all they both have a lower career workload than any of those those previous guys mentioned and neither one is going to be expected to carry the ball 300 times we're kind of we're almost in an era beyond that um and with dobbins of course you have age on his side being you know he's going to be playing at 24, age 24 this year. And although Edwards is going to be 27, again, he still has a lesser workload. So I'm hopeful that they're able to, you know, bounce back to what we saw them to be in 2020 and for Edwards, you know, 18 and 19. However, you still have to approach the expectations for those guys with, I think, a bit of trepidation because, you know, running back, you know, it's a physical position and coming back from an ACL repair, not easy. Yeah, it's I, I would agree. In both cases, there's there's always risk associated with it. Jamal Lewis, actually, his 2002 season, for my money, was outstanding. Um, he, he had his career high on receptions. Uh, it was a, it was not a good team playing yeah. around him. They had purged. And, and so uh, players like Leon Searcy, who were supposed to be there and counted upon and whatnot, were, were not. Jonathan Ogden was still there, of course. Uh, Mule was too. But the offensive line, not particularly good that yeah. year after the purge. Um, I, I, I want to talk a little bit about who the Ravens were in 2021, because I think the falling down of the team had several different facets to it. it had, first of all, the tackles. Uh, obviously caused the offensive line through a series of domino effects to be uh, a, sha- a shadow of what it had been. Um, but the other thing that really was not right is the running backs being hurt before the season uh, weren't in the typical Ravens manner replaced by uh, schematic fits for their uh, needs. So in, in previous years, pretty much made to order, They'd been able to go out to the market and get a speed guy, a power guy, a cutback guy, a, you know, a slash guy, whatever they needed, uh, except the receiver. They really haven't haven't found that. But uh, but they've they've been able to get those specific guys they wanted to fuel the run game and help uh, basically challenge the defense across horizontally across the line of scrimmage. They can run outside as needed. They can run good power and they can uh, have good cutback plays. Uh, whatever they, they want to do, they were able to do. Last year, elder statesmen brought in. Uh, they did not do the job. Yards per carry don't really tell the, tell the story fully. Um, and uh, I, I tell you what, my jaundiced eye that I always kind of gaze at older running backs has turned even more yellow. 
uh, with uh, with that experience? Yeah, I think it's it's fair. Um, when you look at the overall production from the running game as a whole last year, it, it was still productive, but we all know as Ravens fans on a game by game basis when you watched the way the running game unfolded, it wasn't the same. The explosion wasn't there. Uh, the the production in short yardage, uh, you know, this is a team that in 19 and 20, the propensity to go for it, you know, on fourth and short and to be able to present enough different looks to be able to convert at a very high percentage wasn't there last year because they didn't have the guys to be able to do it between the offensive line and the backfield. And as you allude to, Ken, being able to get to the outside and stretch and threaten the edges, it just simply wasn't there. And, you know, maybe it was a product of the cap. It was just a product of circumstances. I I think uh, DeCosta and company had to go find what they could what they could find. They, they obviously didn't trust Tyson Williams, et cetera. Yeah, that, that was a problem. Not trusting Tyson Williams was a problem because he was a guy who, who could have provided that speed option with some power on the outside and, and really brought that extra dimension they didn't have last year. Devonta Freeman ended up probably being their best back. Uh, you know, for, ended up with 4.3 yards per carry. But I tell you what, that's a very hollow number in terms of, of uh, what it is. Had a really lousy year as a receiver as well with, uh, let me get his yards per target here really quickly. Four and a half yards per target, almost just, almost down there with his uh, yards per attempt. You never like to see that. Um, so anyway, it, it, certainly not a threat um, in the passing game. And the Ravens uh, weren't able to put together the several threats they needed to, to get the run game really going in the way they had had in the past. Uh, I think that, that to your point about they had to go out to the market and, and get guys to fit the cap, the guys who fit the cap are typically the guys the Ravens have been able to get in the past. Those are guys who, who basically cost nothing, but they're a schematic fit. And within the Ravens system and with Jackson, they work very well. You know, Gus Edwards certainly didn't cost him a lot of money. He was an undrafted free agent. And, and uh, Collins, who they picked up off a of scrap heap, he was just a minimum wage guy that they, they got at the time, uh, a minimum salary guy. So they've, they've had opportunities, I think, in the past to pick these guys up who were very cheap. Uh, it just they didn't there weren't a lot of them out there. The scrap heap was not as um, peaked as it had been in previous years where they where they had a lot of year one players. Uh, the rookie pool of the year before had been small. So the year one players of guys who had failed to get a chance in that first year was a lot smaller. And that's in. Sure. And uh, I've, and also it's a, a, a little thing, maybe a, a minute detail, but um, also going out onto the street and bringing in some of these veterans guys that hadn't worked in the Ravens in, in a system that, that relies on that RPO and the mesh point handoff. And you could see where that wasn't there at times. And you know, that's a big part of what the Ravens like to do and creating that misdirection, that doubt. And, you know, whether it's a, uh, you know, linebackers, the middle level, you know, are they going to hold or are they going to, you know, little things like that, that was missing last year. Yeah, the mesh point is absolutely critical, getting that to work. And and I would suspect that the thing that kept Tyson Williams off the field was an inability to master the mesh point. That in practice, he wasn't, maybe he was fumbling the ball, we don't know. Maybe he had crappy work ethic, we don't know. But if I had to pick the most likely thing, it was probably he's unable to master the mesh point with Lamar in terms of understanding how he needs to hold his arms, let Lamar pull it late. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Ingram made a great point is that 
you pull it as late as you want. Just pull it hard when you pull it. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna keep my box there, and you'll 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 be able to take it out if you need to. But uh, you know, some running backs they just don't do that. They just naturally squeeze up on the ball as they look for their hole, and uh, that's not the way the Ravens' offense works. And and if that causes fumbles, that guy can't play. Uh, one of the one of the other players who got a chance for one carry last year, a guy who I really wanted to see on the field was Devin Duvernay as a running back because he would have provided them the speed option to threaten the outside again. Uh, but I suspect that was another problem of mastering the mesh point. It wasn't like he was overworked in some other way on the field. He, they could have used him in the backfield more. Um, but, but again, if he, if he can't master the mesh point, if that's not natural to him, then, then he's a difficult, difficult fit. There. Yeah. And, and I know we're talking about running backs, but speaking on Devin Duvernay, I'm, I'm excited that he's going to get more opportunities, more snaps on offense this year. Cause it seems like good things happen when he touches the football whether it's a jet sweep or, you know, in the return game, he's made some plays. It's it's going to be exciting to see him on the field more. And if he's getting more snaps at receiver, perhaps they can present some problems for defenses by, you know, using him on a reverse or, again, utilizing him more jet sweeps where he's lined up in the slot, things like that. So that can enhance the running game too. Yeah, I think I think that'll be a big part of the offense because when you if you want to threaten the outside both ways, you got to choose between basically three things. One is a jet, some sort of jet motion, jet sweep. You got to choose one fast back in sidecar, uh, Lamar in pistol. That's number three. Or number four is uh, what, did, what did I say now? What, what did I not include already? Jet, jet motion. <laughs> I'm getting old. This really sucks. Uh, sidecar, Lamar. It'll come back to me. <laughs> but there's four ways. Four ways you can not the, the Matt Cavanaugh pitch out on the goal line that goes seven yards back. No, we'll avoid that one. <laughs> no, not, not, not that. Yeah, we, they, they, uh, you know, the Ravens have uh, various ways to threaten the edge that they can they can look at. Uh, but anyway, they, they need to do it and they need to throw. Oh, counter. That's okay. it. Yeah. So, so if you if you yeah, if you pull two running back two two linemen in one direction, then you you uh, obviously threaten that side of the field and, and they have to line up additional bodies there. Ravens offense very much predicated the run game, very much predicated on getting the opponent to run themselves out of position. It's kind of like the whole offense get a, gets a chance to read leverage. And it's Lamar's job primarily, of course. Mm-hmm to make that choice in the mesh point. But, um, you know, they're, they're attempting to get that defense off balance, uh, create chaos, and and then create an opening that, that Lamar then can take advantage of. Well, bottom so, line, it forces you to – Lamar's presence and his ability forces the defense to defend all 11 guys, even on running plays. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's advantage number one on the thing. But Lamar also makes every other player on the field better, not just by that 11th man, but by his his ability to make good choices by reading leverage. I've still maintained that Lamar is one of the greatest ever at reading leverage in NFL history. Uh, I think we've seen it occasionally in the passing game. Uh, it's been pointed out on some on some film stuff that I've watched, particularly from the L.A. game in 19. Um, but... but it, I, He's not at the highest level on that. I think he does a very good job figuring out how the defense has mispositioned himself at the mesh point. Does a very good job with that. And and then, of course, in the open field, there is Barry Sanders, Gail Sayers. They're the names that go with Lamar Jackson in terms of um, the ability to make people miss. Uh, just a fantastic elite athlete, obviously, in, in that regard. Indeed. Uh, let, let's go to some of the individual guys that we expect to be on the roster this year and talk through them. Uh, J.K. Dobbins been in a little bit of a spat with Ian Rappaport that you've probably <laughs> yeah, seen that was, about uh, whether or not he's going to start the yeah, season. Yeah, that was uh, interesting to see uh, 
you know, and then have Ian Rappaport, even though the player himself is like, you know, I'm good, I'm on track, you know, in, in not so many words, and him to say he stands by his sources. So now, again, it's not unusual for a player to perhaps be more optimistic than the training staff. Yes. But nonetheless, it's nice to see that, uh, nice to see a little bit of fire from these guys and interesting in 2022 that this level of interaction can exist. Sometimes it gets a little petulant, but I think sometimes as a fan of a team, eh, it's kind of cool to see your guy, you know, kind of, you know, raise up a little bit. But um, Dobbins, the player, if we can get something like the guy that we saw in 2020, because I don't think I was alone in this in going into the 2021 season. I thought he was going to be our offensive MVP. Um, with his ability, I mean, he averaged six yards a carry as a rookie. Um, mm-hmm. They talked about getting him more involved in the passing game. Um, I mean, he's he is he runs with deceptive speed. He, he he's got enough strength to run inside, so he's not not a one trick pony. He, he fits the system. Um, I'm really excited. Even if he's at 90% this year, uh, the Ravens have a very productive player, and I think a guy that we're going to see a nice little peak from here over the next you know, two to three years. Right. So they've got him for two years for sure. So we'll see if that, uh, uh, you know, it needs to be in the next two years. I always say with a draft pick, it's what he get, what he does on the, on that first contract. Um, and, and I think he'll be, he'll be back this year. I, I do think he's going to have less than a full set of carries this year. Uh, even if healthy, I think they might try and ease him into the workload. They've got other options that are good this year, which is also going to, going to, I think tend to reduce his carries. Particularly if Edwards is back, I expect Tyler Beatty to have a very full workload uh, based on who he is. So we'll talk a little bit about this. But one thing, if you're out there and you're managing your fantasy team and you're trying to figure out if J.K. Dobbins is is really worth selecting or not, what I'd say is um, don't worry about what Ian Rappaport is saying because I wouldn't I wouldn't take that to mean all that much. Uh, he may have sources, he may not, and, and honestly, who cares? Um, I, I do think based on the fact that J.K. was injured last year, we'll probably see a reduced workload from him and hopefully not greatly reduced production per snap. But that said, he's at a historic level in terms of yards per carry. So he's not going to rush for 6.0 yards per carry again in all likelihood. Well, I mean, maybe his workload will be managed not at all dissimilar to his rookie year because he didn't work in until a bit That's later right. in the year as they started to reduce Mark Ingram's workload. So that can only benefit too, as you're continuing to heal, you know, even if the, and I can speak to somebody, I'm coming off a rotator cuff and biceps repair, not the same as a knee, but it takes time. You've got to build, you've got to not only get the, the repairs got to be good. You've got to work through the scar tissue. Then you've got to build strength. And then for an elite athlete, not for a middle-aged guy, you know, trying to live his life, but for an elite athlete, you got to work through a lot of things before that's ready. And given some of the other options, hopefully they can slow play Dobbins a little bit and he can really be ready to cut loose maybe in the second half of the season. Yeah, that'd be terrific. I mean, the, the he might not even go on PUP was an interesting comment because the Ravens love to do that. You know they love to 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 stash a player to return at midseason, particularly if it doesn't cost them a roster spot. So they have two ways at least they can do that, and they have players they can do it with this year. One is pup, and they've used that a number of times to get a midseason replacement. Okay, I'll give you a third. They've had suspensions, Jimmy Smith and whatnot, who you know coming back from a, from a suspension uh, provides you value at midseason, and it's a way to keep a healthy cornerback kind of off the roster. I'm not saying 
that's a good thing. I'm not. I'm just saying the Ravens make use of a bad situation and make it into you know something of something of value. And then the third is, you know, the roster is not 53 men anymore. With the current rules about returning eight guys from injury and waiting four weeks, uh, you can actually get 56, 57 guys on your roster, including your IRs. You have to pay a little bit more in cap to keep them there. Uh, and then you bring them back and you can bring that back up to eight during the year. So uh, the rules are extremely favorable. They were actually made less favorable than they were in this last year. And I think uh, the NFL and other teams are on the competition committee and whatnot looked at the Ravens and said, look, we can't have this. They're, they're taking too much advantage of the roster situation as one of the models that they didn't want to allow to take advantage. Of. And I think they still have a very loose methodology that's basically going to mean a lot of handshake deals that create a lot of guys who make the roster who aren't there on week one but are on the initial 53 if you're if you're doing that contest again. Yeah, it's it very easy to have a hamstring pull or, you know, some kind of vague soft tissue injury, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not I'm not even talking about oh, okay. that. I'm talking about the, the guys because those guys, there's sometimes you have a rookie you want to stash. But if you put them if you don't put them on your initial 53, then he's gone for the whole okay. year. So what the Ravens do is they they put a guy on I sorry they let's let's say they they really liked who would be the guy well let's say it's Tyler Beatty and but they just don't find a, a guy in the top uh, he doesn't fit into their top three running backs which is ridiculous but we're just assuming for this point but they say well we might need him at some point in the season because we're not sure of our running back um, uh, situation so they put him on uh, on the initial fifty three man roster and they cut Tony Jefferson say who's a veteran, he doesn't have to go through waivers, and he can be re-signed not, under what is known as the handshake deal right. between before week one. And then his salary's not fully guaranteed, right? Is that what it is? If they sign no, week two? No, that's oh, the, that's... Okay. Yet another oh, okay. thing. That's the best veteran. <laughs> but, right, yeah. Okay. yeah. That's, that is, if you, if, you really want to, if you really don't trust a guy, you don't think he's going to last the whole season, you cut him and you don't have him on week one, then you bring him back for week two. And uh, and you may have a handshake deal for that as well. Uh, that guys don't like that uh, because their their salary not being guaranteed obviously is something they they don't want. But uh, some people will put up with it on their last chance in the NFL. Like Eric Williams was a guy who was on that deal with the Ravens at one point. Gotcha. Yeah, it's it's tough. There's a lot of uh, nuances within the cap that, despite years of trying to figure them all out, there's always there's always something else. <laughs> Um, but I think uh, if while we're talking about you know Dobbins, I think Gus Edwards falls into the same category here. We have you know he was what about it was about a week a week to ten days after Dobbins' injury. Um, I if I recall correctly, Edwards wasn't in as bad a spot. I think he only had an ACL, and I feel like Dobbins had an ACL and MCL. But correct me if I'm wrong, Ken. I, I feel like the, uh, honestly, okay, I, don't I think know. there was a touch more severity to Dobbins' injury. Um, but with Edwards, you know, kind of the same thing, but at least again, from a workload standpoint, he's not a guy that's going to be getting, you know, he's not going to be getting 250 carries. Um, he does his best work, even though he can break off a long one, he definitely does his best work between the tackles. He's a monster in short yardage. I mean, what was he perfect in getting third and one conversions in 19 and 18 and 19, he just seems to always find a way to fall forward. And again, another guy that we could, along with Dobbins, if we're concerned about the knee, kind of slow play them together until you can really cut them loose the halfway point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's been 
perhaps the most consistent player in NFL history through three seasons, which is really amazing. Mm-hmm. But you, you can't tell his years apart. His first year, 137 rushes for 718, then 133 for 711, then 144 for 723. Remarkable. I mean, almost yeah. no difference in terms of carries, yards, yards per carry. Uh, he, did, he did increase his touchdowns uh, from two to two to six. Mm-hmm over the period. So that's a little bit more, but, uh, you know, generally, and, and, he, and he did some good things as a receiver too. He's got one of the few running backs who's got a gaudy 8.8 yards per target career. So it's not a lot not of, a ton of, of, targets, of total right? targets. Yeah. 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 But he's caught 18 out of 22 and, and, uh, and that's something they've, they have tried him unusually on a few longer targets. So there may be a, uh, you know, a willingness to, to try some funny things to have him, get matched up on a linebacker and then try and beat a linebacker in space. So that's, that's it's kind of a cool idea. If you think you can always get that matchup, maybe you have certain linebackers anyway you can try and take advantage yeah, and, of. And particularly if, uh, I mean, barring some, uh, barring some restructures or a guy or two getting cut, I saw this morning that the Ravens are up against it, 732,000 under the cap mm-hmm. so definitely tight to the cap so it, it's going to be interesting to see whether a any kind of acquisitions are in the offing so if they roll with the with a shorter amount of wide receivers if they go with only four or five maybe you do try to utilize edwards in in a role where he won't it won't be as physical early in the season perhaps you do try to split him out maybe get him in a mismatch and try to utilize his ability in that way a thought. I mean, I don't know if it's something they do, but I think it's something to consider. Pro- probably more likely they do that with like a different back, baby, like a baby. I could yeah. see him in a in a pony formations and whatnot that uh, you do that. But the the Raiders have occasionally run some pony over the last several years. Uh, it hasn't been much. Uh, fairly fairly unusual thing when it happens. I you know I always cock my head funny. They when would it, when they it does, would run but. that, uh, and I kind of I guess if we want to jump ahead to Beatty a little bit, um, I'm gonna. Um, I'm going to uh, pull in a, a Ray Rice comparison. Uh, his mm-hmm. measurables, as far as his size, his either 40 times were almost identical. Um, they profile very similarly. Uh, Beatty's probably a better route runner than Rice was, but we know what kind of a, a pass catcher that Ray what, Rice was and how effective he was in the passing game as a you know an outlet, you know a check down uh, option for Flacco and how he could make things happen once he had the football and watching Beatty's college highlights. He doesn't, and he doesn't wow you with his speed, but there's a, a smoothness to his running, especially when he gets to the outside that, you know, I didn't know a lot about him uh, leading up to the draft. And then when I heard we drafted him and checking him out, I'm, I'm definitely intrigued. I think they might've found a little diamond in the rough here in the middle rounds. Yeah. Very good contact balance. Uh, yeah. That's something that will really help him in the screen game. I think the, the combination of Linderbaum and uh, Beatty is a good one. If, if you want to get a screen game going a little bit, you know, in terms of a pure check down player, and this is an interesting point because, you know, Flacco, that was his game was read one, read two, check Rice. Uh, you know, so it's it, it, he Ray, Ray Rice in the 2011 season. We just went over this recently had 700. And let me get this right. 704 receiving yards on the season and 723 yards after the catch. It, it was it was incredible. <laughs> Average catch behind the line right. of scrimmage. So, so uh, you know, if with uh, with Beatty, I'm, I'm not expecting that. But it would be a new a very new wrinkle for the Ravens to go to it, not to a screen game because they, they could do that, but to go to a, a check down game. And the reason I say that is 
Lamar is his own check down. So it's it's much better to have multiple players threatening different places between level two and beyond than have a guy. You can, I mean, you can have always have one crossing route, one drag route, one out route. But but you want that to basically take take players away from the center of the field where Lamar may be running and maneuvering. And, and you know, other teams can play a spy, but Lamar can often beat a spy. So that's, a, you know, that's, a, that's something you want to try and do. What you, what you really don't like to have is you don't like to have a guy hanging out, you know, five yards offset from the quarterback, uh, still between the, you know, obviously between the numbers, but and probably not between the hashes, but, you know, five yards removed from the quarterback, left or right, uh, where he's just an easy check down, but it doesn't, it doesn't create that space for Lamar if he's, if he's, uh, making plays, so I I, I personally I, I don't like the checkdown game as much, and I I think the Ravens' offense very well structured as a non-checkdown game. That said, I love the idea of getting a few screen passes in there and threatening more of the uh, horizontal area along the line of scrimmage. Well, and if and like you said with Linderbaum, it's an excellent point to take advantage of that athleticism and. Uh, the big knock, if there was a knock against Linderbaum, is that he's a little bit of a small-ish for an NFL yeah. center, but that really then allows him to pull, to get out on screens and be a blocker and, you know, and get a hat on a linebacker. So, you know, if you had that personnel, it would be interesting to shape some plays around that. I've kind of uh, um, lamented the lack of screen game over the last couple of years, particularly towards the back half of last year after the Miami game when teams started unleashing a lot of that cover zero, you know, send the house. Mm-hmm. What's a great way to beat the blitz? Let's screen right over it. You know, let them come through and let's screen over it. You get and you start to do that. Teams aren't going to be as eager to get upfield as quickly as they were, but didn't seem to happen. Yeah, win one on one matchup steep is the other way. Because your your deep throws actually it's it's kind of paradoxical. They generally don't take a lot of time to get off. I mean, you can you can you can get a a ball out on about a 42-yard play, and I think about 2.2 seconds. So, uh, you know, you have to put air under yeah, the Yeah, there's a difference between yeah. a deep ball and a long developing route, <laughs> you know, because yes. uh, especially yes. if you have guys with speed on the outside, you can toss it up and let them go get it, as opposed to waiting for a guy to run a deep comeback or, you know, a mm-hmm. very deep post route with a, a, you know, deep crossing route with a tight end or something. It's great when they work, and we that's one of the bread and butters Butter plays of this offense that deep cross to uh, Andrews, but that's when the block when protection's there, right? And 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 creativity to extend plays to is, but yes, you're right. Protection is really where it has to start. You can't your tackles can't be breaking down immediately, and Lamar extending plays successfully at nearly the rate he would if your initial blocking is good. Lamar running away from one guy or taking a subtle bump from Stanley getting getting driven back into him. Uh, really not that serious. And Stanley had a lot of pressures in 2019 that were between two and a half and three seconds. I know because there's a big difference between how I chart him and PFF charts him. And they had him for an extremely low pressure total. I had him for a low pressure total, but it was, you know, two and a half times what they had. So what was going on and what we what we really saw happen is that Stanley is very good at mirroring his opponent and allowing that opponent to kind of and giving ground to do so which sometimes creates a bump on Lamar or a space getting constrained. But Lamar's very effective, eyes in the back of his head, rolling away from that kind of pressure that's very slow developing. 
and uh, and it, it was it was very synergistic. Ex- extremely good to have um, uh, Lamar and Ronnie working together so well back then. And I, I hope you know if we can have ninety percent of Ronnie Stanley uh, from from that year, boy, would we have something. Well, I mean, fifty percent of Ronnie Stan Ronnie Stanley's got to be better than uh, you know. God bless Alejandro Villanueva, yeah. but it was it was tough to watch. <laughs> it, it was yeah. tough to watch. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the other uh, about the other uh, running backs on the roster. We talked a little bit about J.K., a little bit about Gus Edwards, uh, Tyler Beatty, uh, Mike Davis, an older back uh, coming here. And uh, honestly, I don't see the excitement in him. I, I think there is a uh, uh, he's he hasn't produced recently, um, not not in some time. In fact, let me just get bring up his stats here. But uh, his yards per carry. The last several years, and this will be his sixth NFL team, 3.6 with Atlanta at age 28, 3.9 with Carolina at age 27, uh, 2.1 combined with two different teams, not a lot of carries in 2019, Carolina and Chicago, and only 3.7 for his career. Uh, the number that also bothers me is if you think he's going to be a, a pass-catching bat, he's got 5.0 yards per target for his career, and he's played with some quarterbacks in Wilson and um, uh, uh, guys drafted the same year Flacco was oh, yeah, Matt Ryan, Ryan. Yeah. Who, who, who like to check the ball down um, but but he still hasn't hasn't turned that into very much in terms of receiving yards in fact his whole career he's only got about 700 receiving yards so yeah, I, I, I'm with you Ken um, with Dave like now I'll say this about Davis the only reason why I said uh, at the top of things we were talking about it why we might keep four and we mm-hmm. might keep Davis as a veteran and to help out on special teams just as a, an insurance policy for Edwards and Dobbins because I don't know that you want to turn too much of the workload over to Beatty right away. And they may just want to see how things go. Maybe he ends up being a game day and active. And then they find that, okay, our, our top two guys are good to go. But I think that they look at Davis as just a literally just that an insurance policy. He's a solid veteran. You know, I, we think we can get a little something out of him. And again, he should he, he has worked on special teams some and we do have a little bit of a void at special teams. And we may have a void because DuVernay and Prochet are going to have more snaps on offense. So I don't know if they're going to be used as much on special teams this year. That's a very valid point is that you'd, you'd want to reduce that um, if if Mike Davis has to carry any of your running back load in a significant way, you probably take him off special teams. But even just looking at the running back position, Justice Hill is entering his fourth year. And the two players are similar in a sense that uh, neither one is controlled beyond the end of this year with any kind of contract discount. So I, I, I just don't understand why you wouldn't take Hill, you know, a speedier player, probably a better special teams player, uh, maybe a little bit less of a running back. Hard to say because, you know, Davis really hasn't done anything recently. Um, I think, you know, you could argue that Justice Hill would have been the speed option the Ravens needed for the outside last year rather than to go get a veteran. I just I, I have I, know, I understand I have a very cynical outlook on these older running backs. But I think that basically I, I did not understand the signing at all when it occurred. It looked like very bad news in terms of their expectation with regard to these players. Uh, but I don't think they, I don't believe they have any significant amount of guaranteed money in the contract. So I think they can cut him. And uh, and that'll be that. But we'll see. I mean, you know, maybe he's somebody different than I thought in preseason. And 
and they see some. Yeah, I mean, I think you have a, a pretty good assessment. Although I do think last year's, uh, you know, attempt to patchwork the running back room together with those older veterans is will, has definitely soured. I think a lot of us on you know veteran running backs. You, you alluded to that earlier. It's tough not to feel that way. But with um, with regard to Justice Hill, you got to remember he's coming off an ACL injury also. Yep. And. I've never been a fan. I don't know whether it's – I don't feel – his running style doesn't seem to fit our system. Yes, he can get to the edges, but he doesn't seem to really be a, a, a one-cut-and-go kind of guy. He doesn't seem to make quick decisions where you have to within this blocking scheme. He's a good special teams player, but I think when you're already dealing with a couple of guys coming off of ACLs that you know are locks to make the roster – I think that's again. I think that's why they got Davis just as a comfort level. I think he can probably play special teams, and I think that kind of signals that, barring something unforeseen in camp, I think that Justice Hill is going to be the odd man out. I could be wrong. There is a good chance, and and honestly, with the seven guys they have on the roster here, if they're even if they're keeping only three, and we can debate whether or not three or four is the right number, but I think there's a chance they'll go outside the organization for. Number four, but maybe also number three, depending on the injury situation with the big two. Uh, if anything happens to Tyler Beatty in camp, you know, the, the multiple um, issues could happen. We, we have not yet mentioned two guys that I want to hit on on the roster. Nate McCrary uh, spent some time last year, gave the Ravens a little bit of a speed option, didn't really get a lot of a chance, and that also bothered me. And, and honestly, I got to believe the mesh point or work ethic or something else is happening in practice that we're not seeing that they don't like. So it, it, there has to be something there why they didn't give him a bigger chance in their desperation last well, year. Well, yeah, because if you remember, he definitely flashed in the preseason. And, you know, you always take those preseason performances with a giant grain of salt because, you know, what, what are other teams throwing at you? What, what, what are other teams putting out there on the field, not just player-wise, but scheme-wise? So you, you've got to be careful not to fall in love with the preseason performance. But given their circumstances – uh, and meaning that they didn't have anybody healthy, you would have thought he would have gotten more of a chance. But uh, I, if I recall what yeah. Seattle signed him off of the practice squad, so he s- spent some time in Seattle, I believe, last year. Or was it, Den- it was either Denver or Seattle. They had signed him for yes. a little while, and then they cut him, and the Ravens brought him back, and he you know, had a cup of coffee on the active roster. But I would have liked to have seen him get a few more touches. I thought he was intriguing. But you know, pass protection is always a big thing, too, with these guys when they don't get touches. You know, you always have to look at that and wonder if that's keeping them off the field as well. That could well be. And one carry for minus one, very, you know, it's a great point is that is that pass protection is is definitely something that they're not going to tolerate if if uh, uh, if they need to throw a lot too. Uh, one carry for minus one for Nate McCreary last year for the Ravens. And you're right, they lost him. And when they did, I kind of felt like they had, the guys on the roster weren't very good. Mm-hmm. You know, to to the older backs that they had on the roster with with Bell and uh, boy, Bell was terrible. And um, who's the the other older guy who ran ran wild in the season oh, finale the, against Pittsburgh? What the guy the, the, he played with the Cowboys, right? Wasn't it the former Cowboy? And I'm his Latavius Murray. Latavius, yeah, Murray. Latavius Murray, yes, the gracious. It's just terrible. <laughs> I, I, t- I tell you why, it's no fun getting old. But but anyway, Latavius Murray is is uh, uh, you know was had probably the slowest, most lumbering, long touchdown run I've ever seen in that in that final game of the year. The Steelers' rush defense was a mess last mm-hmm. year, so uh, you know they they probably were doing us some favors along with that. But uh, 
his yards per carry came back up to look like, oh, why is Latavius Murray the wrong choice at the end of the year? But anybody who's watched it the whole season knows why Latavius Murray was the wrong choice for this team. Um, and then they, they got a little bit from Devonta Freeman. You know, they got a little bit of a cutback guy. Uh, they didn't get a speed guy. Um, you know, just uh, you, you, you need somebody who can, who can threaten the line of scrimmage horizontally more in the Ravens run game. And, and he wasn't particularly good at any one of the three areas where they might have wanted to run him. So um, I just I, I I hope that they'll go to the scrap heap earlier rather than later this year when there are likely to be a few more running backs out there after you know hopefully we've had some normalization post COVID. And, and and that's a fair point because you don't want to be left with these with options that that as you said can don't fit your system. And no matter how hard you try, it just doesn't work. And, you know, just to go back to last year, and when we talk about, we mentioned Tyson Williams earlier in the discussion, how bad or what he must have been doing in front of the coaches when we didn't see things and how the older backs played for him not to be able to get on the field despite that lack of performance must have been pretty brutal. So you really, especially when this offense is so centered around the run game you can't leave things to chance this year the way you did last year yeah well said uh ricky person the last guy on the roster uh uh you know is the nc state running back last year uh really wasn't on my radar in the draft at all uh well down there in most positional rankings uh has some pass blocking deficiencies in in most scouting reports that you'll you'll read up on he, I, I'll wait and see. You know, we'll, 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 there's judgments made during three preseason games. He figures to get a fair number of carries along with McCrary, uh, probably in this preseason. So we'll see how he plays. Uh, but I would not expect him to be on the roster. Possible practice yeah, squad guy because he meets the standard of being yeah, a young guy. developmental guy. He was a little, he's a little bit on the bigger side too, if I recall. I didn't know a lot about him. Yes. He's six one, six two. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, definitely something a little bit different than what the Ravens currently have on the roster. I mean, nothing really uh, eye popping out of college, which is why probably he was you know down towards the you know the back side of the draft. But I definitely think he's somebody that'll end up as a developmental guy. Um, and you never know because some of these running backs and the way that teams value running backs and the way backs are used nowadays, maybe he's a guy that you know in an, in a year or two. If he's still around, perhaps they can get something out of him. But yeah, yeah I, I agree. And and it, you're right about the the size and shape component is plays in his favor. And now you look at the other roster; there really isn't anyone his size or shape other than Edwards. So if Edwards can't go at any re, either he can't start or he can't go at some point later because he gets hurt. Um, there's Ricky Person. There is an there is an opportunity for him potentially. The Ravens may go to the street also. But uh, there, there could potentially be an option yes. for him. So it's a big practice squad. He probably makes that based on who he is and the, and the Ravens' desire to keep some backups there. Uh, but uh, I, I honestly don't see him making the, the uh, opening day roster. Yeah, I think we're, we're 100% in agreement there. But, uh, you know, what is it, 18 guys now in the practice squad? So an opportunity for, uh, you know, development and, you know, the stash. All right, let's well, yeah, let's talk a little bit about um, uh, who makes the team. Uh, so I think for, 
I have to kind of always structure this from the fact that there's three specialists on the team that takes your 53 down to 50 available slots. The Ravens have a pretty much a hard and fast rule that they split those spots 50 and sorry, 25 and 25 offense and defense. And you would think they've had, you know, they easily had 26 to 24 and maybe even sometimes 27 to 23 defensive players who contribute above the offensive guys. Mm-hmm. But you know, this year, um, you know, even though the offense is, is probably has some weakness in it, I, I would say that they're going to go with 25-25 again. And I kind of have a hard time getting up to four running backs. So let's just go position by position. Okay. We'll be in agreement they keep two QBs? Yeah, definitely. Uh, okay. At tight end, I say they're keeping four. And, and, and the, something could happen, but Boyle seems to be back. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, they're keeping Andrews, and then they drafted two guys in the fourth round or higher, and they're not cutting either of those. Yeah, I, I agree, hundred so, percent. I, I think that Isaiah likely might even be almost considered, maybe looked at by the team as kind of a wide receiver, and in a manner of speaking, maybe not by position, but by u- utilization this year. Okay, uh, we didn't mention fullback with a tight end, so they're keeping. They're going to keep Ricard. Right. They've paid him money, so so no doubt about that one. Uh, the offensive line, they have 12 guys now on the roster who are veterans. This is, by the way, one of the most interesting offensive lines in terms of not having a lot of grocery bag level talent on their roster uh, to play in the second half of games. They have three guys out there. Khalil McKenzie, who's an, actually an interesting guy in terms of making the team, because if you want to dress an eighth offensive lineman, again, using air quotes, and have that actually be a fifth defensive lineman. Right. You know, you know, the roster rules force you to have an eighth offensive lineman to get your last activation. But if you if you uh, can have a, a player who, you know, if, if you could somehow put a wide receiver there, you might. But but a defensive lineman is in particular a, plot, a spot where you don't want to end up light during a game on it. Sure. So he, he's a possibility. Jerry Jones Smith is out there, a very long guy who, who could stick on the on the practice squad. But I don't think he's going to make the roster. And then they have a third guy, Jimmy Murray. Uh, who I, I'm fairly certain will not make the roster, but that still leaves an unusually strong third unit with a couple of veteran players uh, in there who are going to see time uh, during during the preseason. Yeah, I mean, the, the left guard situation is going to be interesting in and of itself because uh, with between Tyree Phillips, Ben Powers, and Ben Cleveland, and I think I was just reading that uh, we could that the Rams could possibly cut Ben Powers and save two and a half million dollars under the That's cap. Right. So given the circumstances I mentioned earlier about being really tight to the cap, I don't think you're going to carry, especially when you already have Patrick McCarry as your kind of Swiss Army knife sort of cover all positions. I don't think you're going to carry all three of those guys. And I know they love Ben Cleveland's size. Now, he, he played down the stretch last year and was definitely better in December and January than he was earlier in the year. We don't exactly know where his development is. Um Tyree Phillips obviously is much better used inside than than on the edges. I'm not yep. in love with Tyree Phillips. I'd much rather see him in a backup role if he's on the roster. Uh, but maybe from an experience and a polished standpoint for Cleveland, maybe Phillips is the guy. But I think of that trio, somebody's going to have to go. Well, there there is another pivotal player on the offensive line, and that's Juwan James. If if the Ravens decide he's not the same player, and who has any idea who Jawan James is at this right. point? I mean, who has any idea? He's, he hasn't played football in forever. 
Um, so if, if he if they put him out there and he's not the same guy, then he's a good potential for a cut because they save about three million, yeah. I think it is, by cutting mm-hmm. him. So so they have a couple of good players, but my my point is of those twelve, I think ten make the roster. You need nine guys at a minimum to field your eight regularly, and they may want to do something with Khalil McKenzie, who gives them this extra dimension. Uh, so it, I don't think they'll keep eleven because of it, but I do think they'll keep ten. And once you're at 10 offensive linemen, four tight ends, one fullback, that's 15, five wide receivers. I don't, we didn't talk about that yet, see, I, but I see that I'm, being the yeah, number. Yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking they might early on go with four. I mean, but that's, okay. where, I mean, that's a little out there, but I think that's due to not only having the four tight ends, but also you have to sacrifice somewhere if you're going to have a fullback. You know, and the Ravens you know, like to regularly carry a fullback, and they use Ricard you know, as sort of a, almost, I guess in this case, a fifth tight end in, in, in some packages. So, you know, that's where the roster makeup gets interesting. Okay. So that, that's, that's where our, our difference would be is you would, you would carry four wide receivers. I think the fifth wide receiver is almost guaranteed on this team. I think there's too much of an in-game need to carry five of We will probably see some deactivations there. Yeah. Um, but and I'm, if, oh, if sorry, the, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm thinking that the, that again, that configuration of only four wide receivers early on may be just a product of running back health. And if Tyler Beatty proves like he can fit on this team and Edwards and Dobbins show health, I think Mike Davis becomes expendable. And I think he'll be, he could potentially be gone before the bye week, you know, maybe even earlier than that, you know? So then you, then that allows you to play with those numbers a little bit and, the it, the way to put this into a bar bet and make sure you win a you win a beer off whoever it is, I will one hundred percent guarantee. Oh, I won't one hundred percent guarantee, but I would certainly bet it even money that Mike Davis is cut uh, and does not make the initial fifty three. Oh, okay. Uh, so so the the reason I say that is because he's at a minimum one of the handshake to have a handshake guy, deal guys who might be back for week one. I could see circumstances and you you slip you, you push somebody else onto IR. Um, and, and you make this deal. But I'm saying the same thing for Tony Jefferson, that, that I think that my bold prediction for this year is Tony Jefferson will be cut by the Ravens. He will not make the initial 53, and yet he will still walk out for the, for the coin flip as one of the three captains on opening day. Because yeah, well, I feel like he's going to take the Anthony Levine role. Mm-hmm. Yep. There you go. So uh, uh, you know, we, anyway, I, I, I understand your position on four wide receivers instead of five. That's interesting. Uh, this is a year for camp darlings at wide receiver, isn't well, it, Jamie? Because yeah, I mean, a gaggle of un, un, undrafted yes. free agents. I mean, there's a. Well, I actually talked a little bit about Slade Bolden um, with uh, mm-hmm. with the BSL guys last night, and I think he's an interesting candidate. Um, and who uh, one of the other guys there uh, mentioned uh, Benjamin Victor because of mm-hmm. his size. And you know, speaking of when we were talking about size at running back. We don't really have a lot of size at wide receiver. We have, you know, I mean, Bateman's like you six know, one, but you know, Duvernay right. and Prochet are kind of in that five ten, five eleven mold. You know, profile more, you know, slot guys. Um, and to have somebody like Victor, you know, who can threaten, I think six four, six five, you know, maybe threaten in the red zone. You know, perhaps a guy like that can stick. Obviously, anybody who would be a fifth wide receiver has got to be a special teams guy. So I don't know what kind of ability they have, you know, some of those back end of the roster, you know, 
UDFA guys have. Yeah, they almost have to, you know, get them in there as gunners, get them in there as kick coverage guys mm-hmm. to uh, to try and get what you can out of them. Uh, they have several guys who are tall this year that are in camp in exactly that thing. So they have Makai Polk, uh, who is how tall is Makai Polk is six three one ninety seven. They have Shamar Bridges, six four two zero seven. Jalen Moore uh, they have is he on the bigger side. Benjamin Vick. Jalen Moore is like five eleven one ninety one. But he's he's still a year one player, so he's never gotten his shot yet. Even though it's, I think this is his second camp with the Ravens. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I, I, Raleigh Webb is another guy, six two two zero four, not a real speed guy. Uh, Devon Williams is six five two eleven. I, I think one of the guys who was on the wide receiver show was talking about how he thought he could be a big slot player. Uh, it would be an interesting option there. Which um, if if you had that, I think he's in competition with tight ends. I think everybody's in competition with tight ends to play big slot. Yeah. So I think if, if you if you want to make the Ravens, you better prove you're an X or a or a uh, or a maybe a, maybe a Z receiver who can play somebody who can play on the outside anyway yeah. and and uh, and be a good contested catcher. Yeah, because everything because the middle of the field is going to be is going to be Andrews and whomever you know tight end du jour in eleven personnel or even if they go three tight ends. And, you know, both the way the way the play calls are structured and Lamar's comfort level with working with tight ends and working that middle third of the field, that's going to be gobbled up. But those opportunities are going to be gobbled up by those guys. Okay, so if if you have to bet on who's on the roster on opening on opening day, let's do that. So uh, who, who would it be between? Oh, from the running backs on opening day. I now active or on the 53 just on the 53 on opening day on on the 53 mm-hmm. yeah well you know i came into the conversation ken thinking it was going to be edwards dobbins Beatty, and davis but you've kind of talked me out of davis almost <laughs> um as we've discussed things here i've kind of started to hem and haul but i do think that i'm it's going to be between unless they go outside the organization which we can't predict at this point I think it's going to be between Davis and Hill for that fourth running back spot because I just think there's going to be a bit of trepidation regarding the health of Edwards and Dobbins. I don't think they want to go too fast too soon with them. Plus, that fourth back is going to give you some help on special teams, and it's probably not going to be a long-term thing, but that's the way I see it shaking out. So I kind of gave you a half answer there. Um, but I think that's okay. Going I'm going to give you a half answer okay. too. <laughs> so I think Beatty certainly on the roster, as long as his health holds up and let's really hope, because he's probably the most important running back at this point in terms of, you know, health, getting, having, entering the season with a completely clean bill of health. Um, I think that one of J.K. Dobbins or Gus Edwards will be back on opening day. And I don't know which one. I don't have any reason to believe that, but I'd say both of them are less than a hundred percent to be back. Um, and and just the mathematical part of my mind is saying play the probability game and that one of them will be back, the other probably will not. Um, and I think they'll probably go outside the organization as I would see it currently for a third back. And if they're missing Edwards, it would be a power back. If they're missing Dobbins, it would be a cutback back. But I don't really see that guy on the current roster, like a, a guy who is um, obviously fits that uh, fits that bill. So uh, they, they should have options to get somebody else. And unfortunately, I think this is probably the end for um, Hill in this camp. Uh, really sad that it never worked out for him. Davis, I don't really see him as making this roster unless the Ravens' depth really does not hold up in some other way that we can't see. 
And then a person probably goes to the practice squad and Nate McCurry maybe as well. Um, but don't see either of them making the roster. Yeah, I think that's a very fair assessment. You keep those guys around and, and you know, if, uh, I don't know, do they still have the same COVID rules through this year or did they do away with those? Uh, you know, because when every once in a while when you need an elevation, because I know that was a big factor in last yes. year's season. So you want to, that's why you have the bigger practice squad. Yeah, so they will have the two elevation rule, I think, is staying. Okay. Um, I, I, I don't know specifically if they've got COVID uh, shutdowns, but I presume they do because there's not really a good reason to get rid of it. You don't, you certainly don't want an outbreak that's affecting a lot of a lot of teams in terms of them having you know multiple uh, COVID situations. I, I don't yet know how they're handling camp this year, but last year it was a a very uh, strict three tier system of uh, you know players are in tier one and and certain in office personnel and uh, you know, media that have an office in the building uh, are, are in tier two, and then tier three was was everybody else kind of who basically would attend practice, but you don't go inside the building. Oh, so they they probably do things like that. Would be my guess. They might do that again. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I didn't know, know what kind of. I guess every team has different, or unless that's a league wide protocol, or I don't know whether they're letting teams handle make certain restrictions. I, who knows? I think it might have been league wide. I mean, the the everybody was wearing the individual. Uh, sensors and oh, so right, right, right. your sensor would tell you if you're a tier two person and you're too close to a tier one person then you kind of had to look oh around. yeah that was there's like con- basically there's contract <laughs> tracing devices i think right yeah, yes. gotcha okay yeah well yeah. either way i think it's uh you know these roster numbers it's going to depend on a couple of different things and we mentioned the offensive line stuff we both think the tight end situation could shake out to where it's for and just real quick on the defensive side of the ball, they're going to be in a numbers crunch in the secondary. And I think they're oh, going to yeah. end up, they're going to end up losing a, a, a good player or two just because you can only keep so many guys, you know? So it's definitely going to be interesting yeah. as camp, you know, as we get to the end and they have to get down to 53. Kind of a similar situation there in terms of the, um, the depth has to hold up. Mm-hmm. And, and so the roster, the Ravens are adept at always getting one extra guy than they need one more guy than they need. good camp competition they always talk about it but what they're really planning for a lot is is what happens if my depth doesn't hold up this guy is is you know 90 percent of what i want and i can cut him and only lose a tiny amount of guaranteed money and i'm okay uh that there, there's some of that being played right now and, and and i think mike davis honestly is 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 one of those but there's other guys on the defensive roster too uh, I, some people could make the argument uh, before I saw what his salary was that Kyle Fuller was one of those guys, uh, but but they have uh, they do have other guys that uh, that I think uh, they're not they're they're probably not going to keep and maybe they end up trading somebody at the end of camp, uh, offensive line another place where it, where it'll happen. So yeah, if if the Ravens depth holds up as the Ravens depth, they'll have some they'll have some moves to make at the end of camp that that will be. Uh, heartbreaking. Yeah, absolutely. And going to see a guy that, you know, we like end up somewhere else and probably, you know, have a pretty solid season. But, you know, that's the way it works when you have roster and you have salary cap. Can't keep everybody. So. Yeah, you know yeah. it, Jamie. A great talking football with you. Always a pleasure, my friend. We'll make sure we have you on for at least one of the offense and defensive shows during the season if you're up for it. Uh, tell folks where they can find your work. Um, well, uh, I uh, 
do some work for uh, BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com. I've been on a little bit of a hiatus. I, I mentioned briefly that I had to have some uh, uh, surgery and I had some uh, complications with it, but I'm doing better now. So hopefully going to be back on the, uh, you know, kind of getting back into the swing of things and back to writing. But uh, yeah, BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com. We've got Orioles, Ravens, Terps, Caps, and pro wrestling, whatever, whatever you want to talk about, it's there. So. <laughs> All right, great stuff. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up with a DM. They're always open on Twitter. That's at Film Study Ravens. Give me your idea. Something you want to talk about, we can use about 25, 30 minutes, get into some depth so the narrower the topic, the better. If you think it's too narrow, believe me, we'll talk it into it as not narrow a topic as uh, as you'd like, and, and we'll, we'll get some real meat on the bone there. Uh, Jamie, thanks again for being on. Always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It was a good time. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.